Hey, what's up, podcast family? This week, I had a great chat with Tim O'Connor. He's the co-founder of Results here in Calgary. Tim has over 30 years of experience helping people and organizations be more effective and productive. Prior to Results, Tim led a corporate training company that delivered productivity, sales, and negotiation skills to employees in some of Canada's best-known companies like Canadian Pacific Railway, Shaw, Telus, and Nexton. Tim has also worked in market research and the telecommunications industry here in Canada and in the UK. On the podcast, we talk changes to consumer behavior, dealing with stress, giving, and much, much more. Remember to rate, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Get awesome local leaders and entrepreneur stories each week, jam-packed with their unique insights. Once again, leave me a feedback at joeacodessa.io on some of the stories or questions you want to hear, and I read them all. So make sure you email me. Now to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, jump right into it. Maybe tell us a bit about your origin story, how, how you came to be where you are today. <laughs> well, <laughs> at, at my age, Joe, that's a that's a long story. So I'll try to give you the, the short version. Um, I, I did grow up in, in Calgary. I've been here since the early 70s, uh, did my studies here, lived overseas for a little while. Um, but there had always been entrepreneurs in my family. Uh, my father had an electrical contracting business. My uh, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law both had their own their own businesses, and I think I was always destined to to be an entrepreneur. Um, I did a stint early in my career with a couple of very large multinational companies, but then I came upon an opportunity um, with a small business that I was introduced to just through a social acquaintance. And I looked at uh, that business and said, wow, I'd like to be part of it. It was, a, it was a performance improvement and corporate training company at the time. And I approached the owners at that time and said, hey, I'd like to be, I'd like to be part of this. So I scraped the cash together that I needed to buy in, uh, left the corporate world and the certainty of a paycheck and a benefits plan and a pension and all of that. And stepped into the world of small business 22 years ago. You mentioned that your family has some entrepreneur background um, and uh, uh, leaving that security of the job to go pursue uh, entrepreneurship. What made you want to jump into that career path? Yeah, a good, good question. I think it was a combination of a, a, a bit of push and a bit of pull. So the push for me was that I never felt I really fit in uh, a large organization environment. I got quite disillusioned by um, the bureaucracy and the posturing and games I saw that were being played. You know, people staying, making sure they stayed at the office later than the boss, even if they weren't working and uh, spending inordinate amount of time on internal presentations that a customer would never see just to make themselves look good within the within the organization. Um, I just had, I just didn't have the patience for that. Um, so that was a lot of the, the push. 
Um, and then the poll was just, um, you know, an opportunity to work directly uh, with people and to help them unleash their potential, which is actually still part of the mission of my current company, Unleash Results, which is helping leaders and their businesses unleash the potential that they have. So uh, that, that, that was sort of how I made that decision um, and how I got into the world of you know, performance improvement and trusted advisory. What was one thing you wish you would have known when you first began uh, this crazy path of entrepreneurship and leadership? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, before becoming an entrepreneur, I don't think I appreciated fully um, the importance of having a team of high performers or what I'll call A players um, versus having a mix or, or having mediocre players. Um, you know, so, sometimes people will say it's the difference between day and night. I, I'd say it's it's the difference between, you know, absolute black and the brightness of the brightest sunny day. Because when when you have uh, and surround yourself by a team of people who um, are self-starters, who are naturally curious, who have humility, uh, who are willing to, to go the extra mile and who hold themselves accountable um, your job as a, as a leader is, is easy. And frankly, you, you look like a star. Um, but when you have people that are B players or C players or somewhat mediocre, um, it's hard work and it takes a ton of time to engage and hold people accountable and suggest you know, what they should be working on and quality checking. And it just sucks so much time and life out of you as a leader. So, you know, th this, this experience of mine, we do also espouse in my business as well is that, you know, you really have to take appropriate time to uh, seek out and find um, really high performers that fit uh, not only the job that you have for them, but your corporate culture, because the payoff is, uh, exponential down the road yeah absolutely having a uh, a team of great individuals high performers and people that fit your culture always there's always a positive roi to that uh, combination um but that that is a challenge and um speaking of challenges what is uh maybe a unique challenge or maybe even a, a quote-unquote failure that you've uh, endured in your path and how what did you learn from it well, yeah, there's been lots of mistakes and failures, Joe. So don't don't get me wrong. Um, I probably can't even count them all. Um, if that's what you know, people call the school of hard knocks, then I've been to that school as well. Um, but something I've been thinking a lot about recently is, um, for us at least, the challenge of outsourcing marketing. Um, we have spent a lot of time and money and effort. Uh, probably over the last 15 years, um, looking for a silver bullet and outsourcing marketing to an agency or a marketing firm or a branding company or a digital company. Um, and um, what I have learned is that you really have to look to understand the, your, your buyer's journey intimately as a leader in the organization, at least for a small business. 
and um, and really understand that in order to be able to outsource particular activities within that, there it really is no um, no silver bullet that you can say, gosh, I'm going to pay X number of dollars per month, and then I'm going to have you know new new leads delivered to me, or somebody's going to set up appointments for me, and I just go to them, and, and it brings new customers. Um, I find that you really have to invest in uh, in your own knowledge about your customers, your unique customer journey, and your own marketing and branding. Um, and it, and it's changing uh, and has changed so much in the last 10 years. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I have my brother-in-law works for a Honda dealership. He sells Honda vehicles. And um, he says that now when people arrive at a dealership, um, over 95% of them already know what vehicle they want, what options they want. And his job is really around financing and maintenance and warranty and so on and so on. That's a huge change in the last 10 or 15 years when, you know, shoppers would go to a car salesperson to try to decide what car to buy. Uh, that's the, you know, that's the world we live in. Um, buyers are, have so much information now that they didn't have before that the journey is really different. Yeah, the buyer's journey is um, something that lots of businesses have to be aware of and um, yeah. to help with their marketing. And what what influences a buyer's decisions, right? It's, you know, it's mm -hmm. rankings, it's ratings, it's stars, it's, you know, it is referral um, for sure. Um, but it's uh, but it's all of those things and it's multiple interactions with a brand as well. Absolutely. It's, it's almost giving that value up front and then that attracts the, the buyer. Yeah, exactly. What advice would you give somebody, uh, maybe a listener right now that wants to pursue um, a career similar to yours? Yeah, so I'm going to answer that question in two parts, Joe. I think, first of all, um, anyone who wants to um, be in a small business needs to have, I'd say, a broad base of business understanding. So you have to be a bit of a generalist. You have to understand enough about finance and your accounting numbers. You have to understand enough about your marketing, about, um, you know, delivery of whatever product or service you have, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, a small business owner or a small business leader does need to be a, a bit of a generalist. Um, if you're speaking specifically about my industry, which, you know, broadly is uh, business consulting or advisory services, then I, I think if somebody wanted to get into that business, they should first go and, and work somewhere uh, earlier in their, in their career, work for a lot of different organizations, and in particular, have an experience as a manager. Um, because in order to be, I think, to be successful uh, in giving advice to other leaders or other managers, you want to have had that experience yourself and um and and have credibility to be able to say hey i know what it's like to sit in your chair uh, when you're trying to performance manage someone or make a hire or you know have to let someone go i think you want to make sure you have that experience firsthand as well uh, maybe maybe i'll add one more joe so thirdly you know in in my business in particular um, we are in you know, again, broadly speaking, we are in the change management business. So, you know, we don't work with with individuals and organizations who are, are extremely happy with where they are currently. 
we work with individuals and organizations that, that feel they want to change something. Uh, sometimes they don't know what it is that they want to change or, or how to make the change. Sometimes it's just a, an intuition that's saying, uh, you know, I don't think we're getting enough out of, you know, this leadership team or these employees or this company. Um, and we need to change something. We, maybe we don't know what it is. Um, so it's really important um, in the world of, of helping people change uh, that you understand the change process. And that's something that um, I, I didn't appreciate enough when I started in this business, and I'm always learning about. You mentioned being a generalist. I think that's so true, especially if you're uh, in the small business, because you wear so many hats. And what unique skill would you say that's uh, helped you become successful? I'm smiling a little bit when I hear you ask that question, Joe, because my <laughs> mind always, my mind first goes to. Is, is being lucky a skill? Because, <laughs> because if, if you ask me, you know, what has helped you become most successful? I, I'd start with luck. And I would say, look, I've been really, I've been really blessed in, in so many ways to have run into the, you know, the right people to live in a, in a country like Canada, a city like Calgary, um, and to have opportunities that so many people just don't have. And I didn't earn those. So, um, uh, luck is, is number one. Um, I, I think, um, I I'm willing to, to work hard. Um, and I know that sounds cliche. Uh, but you know, when I was, um, in my teens, I used to spend my summers working on a cattle ranch west of Calgary. And, um, that's where I really learned what hard work was because in the summer, you're up from dawn till dusk, uh, working with the livestock and maintaining the equipment and, um, you know, riding the, driving the tractor or whatever. Um, and you know how long daylight is in Calgary in the summertime. So you're up, you're up at five 30 <laughs> and you might, you might get back by 10 at night. Right. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> It, for, for for people in that industry, in the agriculture industry, that is a lifestyle. It's more than just a job. It's a lifestyle. And I have a massive respect for those people. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, just getting up every day and getting going is, is very, is very important. Um, and I hope that, you know, the generations to come continue to continue to see that. I suppose also um, people have told me that I tend to look at things in a very holistic and systemic way. So, you know, rather than um, looking at a, a decision or a, an opportunity um, in a discreet way, I, I tend to like to ask questions about, okay, what are the long-term impacts of this? And what are the systemic impacts of this decision, you know, across uh, our organization or across our community? Um, so I think people appreciate that, that perspective that I bring to the table. Yeah, I do agree that, uh, luck uh, in, in particular has a lot of impact in the entrepreneur's journey or business leader's journey. Um, there's a, always a sense of serendipity that happens on your, on your path. Has there been any specific, uh, resources that's helped you along the way? Yeah, Joe, for the past 10 years, uh, sorry, it's probably longer than that now. It's probably close to 12 years. I've been for a part of a business owner peer group. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a group that um, I access through the Entrepreneurs Organization, uh, also known as EO. And I've been in the same forum group now for that entire time. Um, this is a group of business owners who come together. Um, even though they have busy schedules, they come together for a half day a month, every month, and really act as a, um, in a way, a board of advisors for each other. Uh, not just for my for our business lives, but for our personal lives as well. And I can't tell you how invaluable that's been for me over the past uh, 11 or 12 years, not only helping my business to grow, but in helping me grow as a, as a person and as a leader. Um, I think these, uh, these peer groups are just invaluable. In fact, uh, even in my business right now, it's one of the things that we've done in response to COVID is we've launched um, a whole series of, um, of leader circles that we're making available to the Alberta community as a way of, of trying to help out. Uh, so we facilitate, um, our business execution specialists are facilitating these leader circles now that are held obviously virtually for the time being through Zoom meetings where, um, where business leaders can come together and, and really t- table any topic and support each other and help each other uh, through that means. Community, like you're saying, is uh, uh, very important when you're on, on your path, because sometimes it could be lonely being a, a owner or a, a business leader as well. Would you say mentorship would be a good piece to that? Yeah, I, I you know, if you asked me who was your mentor, I can't specifically, other than maybe my father, I can't specifically say I've had a, a business mentor. Um, but these peer groups are a little bit like um, mentorship, only it's two way, right? Mm-hmm. So it goes, it goes both ways from, you know, one month I might be the mentor helping one of my colleagues in the peer group. And the next month I might be the mentee receiving the mentorship. So um, yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice um, approach to, to that mentorship has there been anything uh, recently that you've read or listened to that's really inspired you? Um, yeah, I was thinking about that. And um, again, one of the things we've done at Results is uh, six weeks ago, we launched a webinar series that's held every Thursday morning. Uh, it's free. And we've been able to attract some really phenomenal speakers in the areas of business and leadership and psychology. And just last week, we had um, a speaker by the name of Sarah Noel Wilson. And she um, has a master's degree in, um, in leadership development, and is an expert in stress and the physiological impact of stressful situations and how it impacts specifically our interactions and our communications with others. And what she had to share just, just blew me away about how our physiology, as human beings, our physiology changes when we're in stressful situations, which directly impacts our ability to think and gives us uh, less access to higher order parts of our, our brain, um, gets us back to our amygdala, our lizard brain, our fight or flight <laughs> part of our brain. 
and really shuts down our ability to be empathic, to be a good listener, to um, think creatively and so on and so on. Um, so that, that actually, I could have listened to Sarah was only with us for an hour. I could have listened to Sarah for, for the entire day. She just had so much information to share. Um, and those webinars, if anybody, if any, if any of your listeners are interested, they can go and register for them on our website or watch the ones we've had, um, in the past. So Sarah Noel Wilson, again, is her name. And she was on the, uh, May 14th episode. Oh, very cool. I'm uh, writing that down right now. Um, speaking of stressful situations, uh, I mean, lots of lots of our listeners are business owners as well. Um, how has how have you adjusted to uh, the pandemic and uh, the whole COVID uh, situation going on? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'm very fortunate um, that we have just a phenomenal leadership group. Um, so I am part of a four person leadership group for our business. And, um, and we were able to come together very quickly and agree on some, some fundamentals. Uh, and those fundamentals include the fact that um, we're just here to help. Uh, you know, that, that was our guiding light. It's like, let's reach out to the community and just say, you know, we're, we're here to help. And it's not about what you can pay or what you can afford, or we're gonna send you an invoice. It's about, let's just have a conversation we're, we're here to help. And that's really what led to these things like the, the leader circles that I mentioned, the webinar series that I mentioned, some one-on-one coaching that's going on right now with our, uh, our consultants uh, in the community. Um, and you know, our belief is that if we can help, um, if we can help business leaders, that's, that's our forte, that's our sandbox. If we can help business leaders bridge to the new next which is a term I've just started hearing this past week, the new next. Um, if we can help Alberta business leaders bridge to the new next, then in turn, they can help their employees and their communities and so on. And it becomes a bit of a, you know, a cascading effect through all of our, our province and all of literally all of Western Canada. So um, yeah, we, that, that's the biggest change I think for us is that we have gone to the market and said, don't worry about what it costs. We're just here to help. Stepping back into uh, your career, what's one common myth about your profession or industry that uh, you really want to put to bed? Um, yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think so. If I use the word consultants, and I, you know, I'm not particularly tied to that word, but lots of people use that to describe our industry, uh, business consulting. Um, I think there's a perception in small and mid-sized companies that, that they can't afford it and it's too expensive um, or that it's overpriced. And, um, and I think for those small and mid-sized companies that have engaged with us, um, what they found is it's, is it's very, it's actually quite inexpensive for the value that they get. Um, you know, you look at the expertise, uh, of the people that we have on our team in particular, and you look at, at the years of experience they have, um, and the way in which they use our system to help to grow organizations and to grow leaders. Um, if you had to hire those skills, you'd be paying five to 10 times as much as, you know, engaging with a, with a, a service like ours that can 
that can help um, really jumpstart your business in, in, in a much quicker way. Um, I know this sounds a little bit self-serving, but um, you know I, I get up every morning um, just inspired by the stories that our clients have had um, as a result of us working with them and what they've been able to achieve and do. And um, the testimonials that we have are just so powerful. They, they get me excited every single day. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's why a lot of us uh, wake up in the morning, just to see your client smile and the impact we can have on uh, people's lives. So for you personally, uh, or it could be professionally, uh, what's something that you're curious about right now? Yeah, I've, I've been pursuing um, a curiosity and an interest in, um, in storytelling for the last year. Um, and I've been quite drawn to uh, the structure and elements of a good story, not, not um, simply for the fact that, um, you know, I want to tell good stories or I let, enjoy reading or hearing good stories, but because I see a really strong link between um, great leaders and their ability to use story as a tool um, to engage and inspire their their people. And uh, it's somewhat counterintuitive. You, you think that human beings are, are rational and should be most influenced by facts and figures and evidence where the reality tells us and psychology tells us that we are actually um, inspired and persuaded more uh, by story. Um, the phrase that I've heard many times is human beings are wired for story. And uh, it's a tool that I think every leader needs in their toolkit to understand how to, how to build and how to tell an inspiring story um, to help move their organizations forward. So that's a, that's a bit of an endeavor I've been, I've been uh, working on for the last year to the point that I've, I've actually, I'm just completing last night, I completed a certificate program at Simon Fraser uh, in Vancouver on, um, on building story. Well, I think you're doing a great job telling your story on the podcast. (laughs) Thanks. So how, from your perspective, how has Calgary changed, uh, from when you first started to where it is today? Well, that's, that's a bit of a loaded question because (laughs) I'm going to go all the way back to when I arrived as a, as a very young person in Calgary. (laughs) So I was, I was born in Southern Ontario. Um, and at that time, all my family, including my parents, my sister, everybody I knew was born and from Southern Ontario. I have this distinct memory. I, I was, um, I was six years old and I remember cresting the hill east of town on the trans Canada highway in a station wagon packed full of everything we owned as a family. And we came over the crest of the hill and there below us was Calgary. And um, what has changed is that in 1972, the Calgary Tower literally towered over the city. Uh, The next highest building, I think, was uh, the Sheraton Hotel, which might have been 15 stories. And it was very iconic when you looked at the city from afar in those days to see this, this tower, which I think at that time was called the Husky Tower, if you look at your history of the city. Um, because it was just, it was just so 
amazing to see this tower sticking out of the middle of the prairies with the mountains in behind. So, so obviously things have changed in Calgary <laughs> since then. Um, from a lot of angles, you can't even see the Calgary Tower because of the other office towers that are around it. Um, I think to maybe maybe more relevantly answer your question, Joe. Um, you know, we're I, I think we're obviously aware of the dependence of Calgary and Alberta on carbon-based energy in our economy. Um, it has shifted uh, somewhat. I think um, if you look at the data for Alberta, I think um, you know I th I think it's gone from over a third of our entire economy of the province to closer to twenty five percent. Um, it's difficult to measure because, you know, there's so many um, related industries. You could you could argue that, you know, hotels and restaurants in Fort, Fort McMurray are actually part of the energy industry, too. Right. So it's difficult to measure um, all of the downstream impacts. But there has been a bit of a shift. Um, it's not enough, obviously, but I have started to see Calgary shift away um, from strictly energy and start to look at other services like technology, life sciences, um, financial industries, um, creative industries like film mm -hmm. and alternative energy. That those are all good. Those are all good signs. Um, agriculture and ag sciences as well. Um, I've also seen the departure quite substantially of manufacturing. Um, you know, early in my career, I worked, uh, there was a, there was a, a large volume manufacturing um, segment in Calgary. I worked for a large telecom company that had a plant in Northeast Calgary, and we were producing products, um, widgets that went out the back door every day and were shipped around the world. All of that has been outsourced uh, or have been outsourced to um, lower cost uh, countries years and years and years ago. Um, and I can't think of many, if any, um, uh, what I call volume manufacturers in Calgary anymore. Um, you know, even, even companies like Smart Technologies, as much as their head office is still here in Calgary, uh, I don't believe their manufacturing is here. I think it was outsourced a long time ago. Uh, maybe it was never here. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> positive. So not seeing a lot of volume manufacturing. So I think we, I think we, you know, the future of the city has to continue to be um, moving away from um, carbon-based energy. Uh, I think everybody knows it's a, you know, it's somewhat of a sunset industry. It's just a matter of, of getting the timing right. And that's what the debates are about all the time. Um, but we need to continue to leverage uh, the, the two advantages I think we have here in Calgary. One is the, you know, highly skilled uh, labor force that we have. And the other is the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset. And I'm a firm believer that Alberta has um, the strongest entrepreneurial mindset in this country. And uh, that can't be taken for granted or, or restricted. So this question is a little bit trickier. Um, what's one question that you never get asked that you wish it would be asked? Um, yeah, I, I think I mentioned, Joe, before we started that I saw that question on your list and I was struggling a bit. You know, I, I, I'd like to be asked maybe more often what my, what my personal um, core mission is in, in life, because it is something I've thought a lot about. And for me, it's, you know, it's helping people live with no regrets. Um, and I think it's very tightly aligned to 
the work we do at Results um, to help people unleash the potential. One of the things that makes me sad is um, hearing people um, speak and use the words, oh, if only I'd have dot, 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 right? If only I'd have you know, you know, done this differently or done that differently or, or whatever. Um, it's not to say that we don't all make bad decisions from time to time, but, you know, I, I'd like to do everything I can in my life to help people really be the best that they, they can be, um, and, and have the confidence to do that. Um, and that's what I really try to aspire to all the time, just helping people to do that. Um, yeah, living with no regrets is a powerful life mission. Um, just out of curiosity, do you think regrets manifest in decisions that were bad or decisions that were not made? Uh, I, I think not making a decision is making a decision. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the status quo is is generally an option in every decision <laughs> that we make <laughs> in life. Uh, n- not all, but often it is. Um, so yeah, deciding not to decide or procrastinating is, is, um, is certainly part of that. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, you've, you've had so much, uh, gold nuggets of, uh, insights for the, our listeners. Um, where can our listeners connect with you online? Yeah. Happy to connect with any of your listeners. Um, uh, the unleash results website, uh, you can reach me through that. There's a contact page there. Um, and I'm on social, all the social channels as well. Um, I think on Twitter, I'm Tim J O'Connor, um, or on LinkedIn, you can, you can find me as well. Uh, so happy, happy for anyone to reach out. And you mentioned the, uh, webinars, um, those are still actually, actually, they're actually Thursday morning, Joe at 10 AM. Uh, all the information is, uh, is on the unleash results website for those. Um, one name that maybe you don't know, but some of your listeners will is Tom Peters, who wrote In Search of Excellence back in the 1980s. Uh, he's written over 19 books on businesses and success in business and change. Um, he's by far the best-selling author we've had on these webinars, <laughs> and he's scheduled for the 28th. So I'm not sure when this podcast goes out. Um, but he's scheduled to be joining us on the 28th, which is uh, a little over a week from now. Thanks, Tim. So yeah, I usually like to end the podcast with uh, a guest, the guest usually asking a question to the audience or maybe even a uh, quote or a story um, to leave them uh, with the interview. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, I know I mentioned stories, so you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> but maybe, uh, maybe I'll just leave with a, a, a thought on giving. Um, you know, in times like these, uh, you know, we're all, I think in, in a bit of a defensive mode and we are, um, feeling, feeling regretful about loss, um, you know, loss, loss of a a loved one, loss of a, in some cases, loss of a, a job, loss of a livelihood or, or loss of, um, our normal life, which, uh, may be disrupted for a very long time. I, I think all we can do is is look forward and ask ourselves what can we do, but maybe more importantly, what can we give uh, to help uh, others through these situations? There's always going to people be people that are worse off than us and better off than us. Um, but I'm a strong believer in the 
in the uh, axiom that givers get. So uh, just ask yourself what you can give and how you can give because we all have unique talents and unique uh, perspectives that uh, can help someone else out there.